Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm here with my good friend, fellow fat muscle coach, longtime competitor, even though we're not competitors anymore, good friend Cliff Wilson. Cliff, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, just finished up a very busy end of the season, and I appreciate you having me on here, man. It's been a while since we've caught up. It, it has, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about that. And typically what I do to start the show is, is talk about, you know, if there's anything cool we've learned in the last two weeks or anything, you know, that's happened to us that we want to pass along. But I think really what we do is we just catch up on you because most people listening, they're familiar with, with I can just call it John and Cliff, because we've been doing business together as business partners since like 2015. Um, and prior to that, we were always – you know, like this in a good way, butting heads and in a good way competitively with our clients going against each other. But a lot of people are familiar with our friendship, with us in business together. So I figured we would just kind of pick it, pick everything up and talk about one, how your health has been because you, you've turned the corner and things, you had an amazing year. So kind of, kind of talk about the last year that you've had now that we're wrapping it up. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. It, it, God, time does fly. Can you believe we've been doing this like a good 12, 13 years now? It's crazy. Um, crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, my health has been pretty much fully back. Um, you know, my training isn't like what it was at its peak. Um, I'm training like three, four days a week now pretty intensely, which, you know, I'll take because I wasn't training for a couple of years due to health issues. Um, so being back at it is just unbelievable, honestly. <laughs> um but, you know, I did tell, I told my wife Haley at the beginning of this year with my health being fully back, I said, as far as coaching goes, I was able to take on uh, a full coaching roster for the first time in a good three years. And I just told her, I was like, I kind of want to treat this year as kind of a, a comeback party, so to speak, um, you know, have, you know, really take on some, uh, take on uh, a good group of clients and really get everyone fired up about coming back to it. And um, I, I wanted it to be sort of a return to my previous coaching form with the numbers that I had, but actually it, it ended up being the most successful year I've ever had as a coach, which is kind of funny because I, I you know, had questioned if that would be possible after everything I went through. So um, definitely no complaints. And, and, you know, thankfully I had clients that um, gave me a chance through being sick to come out the other end with a full, full group. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to brag on you and I know you don't like to do it, but I'm, I'm going to ask you if you know numbers off the top of your head, you and I have always been someone we keep track of our numbers just from a standpoint of, it's just fun to keep track of. And I know your clients like to keep track of it too. Talk about the numbers that you had this year. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't even remember. I think it was like over 60 class wins in general. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, I only had, I want to say like 33 or 34 people hit the stage. Um, so we had like 60 class wins and then, uh, we had like 17 pro card wins, uh, which is crazy. Uh, and then, gosh, I can't remember off the top of my head of the pro wins, but it was somewhere around a dozen and then three yeah, world double digits. Yeah. And then, um, and then three world titles, uh, Tori Palpin won IPE women's physique worlds. Um, and then, uh, Tamer Bearcat won, uh, Mr. Uh, Masters Olympia. Um, and um, I'm forgetting somebody. I feel bad with who I'm forgetting now. Well, it's oh, okay. And actually, yeah, yeah, actually, actually, no, it was Tamer. Tamer won Masters Olympia in uh, Vince in classic physique and bodybuilding. Oh, wow. 
So the reason why I, I wanted yeah. you to point that out is because, you know, somebody that's listening that may not be familiar, because like you said, you, you had about three years there where they're, man, you even just posting on social took so much energy because you're sick. And we're not going to go into what that looked like because we just we don't have time. But for someone that doesn't know who you are, this year showed a return to form that it was nice for me to see it come back because I'm like, all right, the fucking killer's back. Like Cliff and his crew are back. Like, and it's so good to see you guys back. But the reason why I point that out is because for this episode and the topic, you know, I can't think of a better person to have on the show than someone at your level. So we can break these things down because for people to compete, these topics and the different bullet points that we're going to go over, they're so crucial. These mistakes to avoid and the things that you're looking for when a client comes on with you and how to get through this the right way and set it up the right way. It's become so crucial. And we have been doing this for well over a decade now. The stuff that we're going to point out not only applies to competitors, but if you're listening and you're someone that isn't going to compete, but you're very much into physique enhancement or you wouldn't be listening to the podcast, this will apply to just dieting in general. So you can kind of take that mindset to it, to have your leanest, most muscular physique. So Cliff, we're going to dive into this, but we do have people that want to know, when is the physique summit coming back? So I'm going to, I'm going to drop a little something here because we're going to upload this a couple of days after we're recording. We are doing the Fat Muscle Academy, January 21st, 2023 in Springfield, Missouri. It's myself, Cliff Wilson, Pete Fitchin, and Ryan Irwin, all four of us are going to be uh, speaking, and it's an all-day seminar, and it coincides with our customer appreciation and Fat Muscle Coaches Appreciation event, and that's going to be a big deal, and it's only $99. So show up to that. You guys can check out the show notes. You can see and get tickets to that, and that's for the Fat Muscle Project. That's for our company, but we're also doing a seminar, and we do that every single year, and we're able to do stuff like that because Cliff, you and I started the physique summit conference in 2015. And a lot of people want to know, well, when's that coming back? And to that, I can say our last one was in 2019 and it's a much dude. We created a monster. Like we created a monster. We had 10 people in an event and it was all day Saturday, all day Sunday. We had six speakers, four special guests, and that kind of stuff takes, you got to fill the house. Like you got to have 150 people show up because you've got to make money. You've got to pay for everybody to fly and hotel and all that. And with COVID, it really just kind of, it really hit a lot of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I know a lot of people were like, oh, you guys should have, you know, figured out a way to do it. But, you know, I, I don't think it would have been the event that people had grown to expect if we tried to do it through COVID. And I think at one point you were like, what's your, what's your um, want to like really buckle down and make this happen? And I was having my health issues and I'm like, man, I can't even think about this at the moment. Yeah. So we're like, let's just put it off for a couple of years. But I do think it's about time to do it again and start bringing it back annually. I, I think this Fat Muscle Academy is going to be a nice snapshot into what we can do and draw in the numbers. I, I don't think having over a hundred here is going to be any problem at all. Um, so you know, after this, you and I, I know we're, we're going to get together and talk about the next event, who we want to have speak, and that just takes time to plan. So stay tuned for that, and we'll definitely put some information out, because obviously, Cliff, you're going to be back on this podcast, you know, a, a number of times. But other than that, we've got a great topic today, and the topic really I titled it's being ready for your next prep. Like I said, you can call it being ready for your next diet. But Cliff, I want to 
people know my approach. So I really want to zero in on you. Like I might add some stuff here and there, but I really want to talk about this is your approach. This is your method. So let me just start off with the first part I've got written down here. When someone applies to work with you, what are the things that you're looking for and why? So if you would just kind of talk about what that process like, it looks like. Yeah. You know, um, so as we were kind of talking before we switched on the cameras, I'm fortunate because I've gotten to the point in my career where I kind of do get to handpick who I want to work with. I always have a lot more, more people applying to work with me. And, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, Cliff's lucky. He gets to choose the people that he works with. And so he gets all the talent, but it doesn't talent doesn't look like what people think it looks like. They think it's like the biggest, most muscular guys, you know, the, the, you know, the, the women that lose fat easily and have great shape. That's not always the case. The first and foremost, um, the thing I actually look for is who has a good sense of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is I'll work with somebody that's having trouble sticking to a diet. Um, what I won't do is work with somebody that has trouble sticking to their diet and either acts like it's not their fault or it's no big deal. Right. Um, those are honestly, I'm not going to work with you if you have no sense of urgency whatsoever. Um, or if you act like it's not your responsibility to figure this out with me, you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, I'll, I'll gladly work. So I, I look for that first and foremost, I want to see somebody that, you know, I, I'm sure you'll, you take this, right. You have people that check in every week. And if you have somebody that continually cheats on their diet, there's a different tone between somebody saying, I messed up again on my diet this week. You know, I'm sorry. Let's, you know, what can I do to figure this out to be better? And then there's somebody that's like, Oh, you know, Oh, I went to my buddy's house and I ate and it's no big deal. I'll get back on it next week. Right. And if you, you know, somebody that continually does that, um, I, I want, I want the first guy. I want the first guy that's like, let's figure this out. Right. Um, so that, that to me is the first and foremost thing that I look for. Um, beyond that, then we're looking at logistical things. I want, I want somebody that is, uh, then dedicated with high standards. Um, what I mean is high standards is, uh, as your coach, I can't have drastically higher standards than you because I can't be continually begging you to do what needs to be done. Right. Um, you know, and if your goals and your, um, if your goals and what you're willing to do don't align, then there's going to be a problem, you know, and that does, that could be competitors. You know, you said it with competitors, but it could also be non-competitors. If somebody comes to you and says, you know, I want to lose a hundred pounds, but I, you know, don't want to track my macros. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up alcohol. I don't want to stop smoking. Well, you're like, well, you know, your, your goals and what you're stated willing to do are not aligned. So I can't help you. So it's kind of the same way. You know, somebody tells me I want to do a show. Um, I want to be at my very best, but they want to do a show that's in 15 weeks and they need 30 weeks to get ready. I'm not going to take them on because their goals and what they're willing to do, which is wait 30 weeks, uh, is not, it doesn't align. So I try to look for people whose goals and what they're willing to do will align. Um, go, go ahead. I, yeah. I, had, I had a question for you. What's, what's something that you're looking for? Um, and obviously I know this, but I want to get your, your take on it. 
when you're looking for nutrition, like when somebody comes to you, what's, what's one of the things that you look for when you decide I'm going to work with this person or I'm not going to work with this person when they apply to work with you? Um, you know, the diet stuff, as long as they're open-minded, I'll take them on, but it has to be, you know, I'm probably going to ask them to do things that are outside of their comfort zone because usually people are a little too in their comfort zone. Um, what I mean by that is usually I find women are, when they start working with me are usually doing too much cardio uh -huh. and eating too little. Right. Um, and the guys have usually enjoyed a little too much and are <laughs> eating too much and the other opposite end of the spectrum, right? I'm trying to draw everybody towards the middle a little bit. Um, and so, you know, I, I look for that, uh, somebody who is probably a little bit too much in their comfort zone, um, in that, in that regard. And so I try to decide if they're, if they're coming to look for me for a contest prep, you know, usually I'm trying to see, are they in a bad spot nutritionally? Are they under eating, uh, and doing too much cardio for the start of a contest prep? Um, or are they too heavy for the start of a contest prep? Are they eating too much? And do we need to like push that timeline back a little bit further? So, I mean, easily, either way, if somebody's eating too little and doing too much cardio or eating too much, it involves a pushing back of the timeline, right? So I had some, you know, one person I need to spend some time, uh, having them do little cardio and refeeding a little bit and, you know, getting into a spot of homeostasis, other people I need to run through a mini cut before we would even think about starting a contest prep. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. We both have been doing this so long. We've had a lot of people and they just don't know. They're not stupid. They're not doing anything wrong in their eyes, but we have people apply to work with us. And, you know, it's a female, for example, eating 1300 calories in the off season, but she's having these massive weekends of just eating whatever she wants. So all the weight gain is coming from there. And she's 25 pounds over stage or 30 pounds over stage. But during the week, she's only eating 1300 calories. What do you normally say to somebody that comes to you? And it could be a guy as well, who's under eating, but their, their body fat's too high. And they're not, there's not really a big enough room to create a decent deficit because five, six days a week, they're only eating low calories. So what's that conversation do you have? And have you lost clients? Because I know I've lost people that just won't work with me because they don't want to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. You know, um, well, and you know, the thing is, well, first off to address the dietary issue, people don't realize those rapid lows and highs have actually been proven to downregulate a metabolic rate. Yep. Um, you know, those, those wild swings because, um, you know, two, two days per week of high calorie isn't enough to actually keep a metabolic rate higher. Right. Um, so that's how you get under eating, but over fat, you know, <laughs> if that makes right. sense. So, <clears throat> um, honestly, if you took that same caloric intake and like smoothed it out over the course of the week, you'd probably find that people would actually lose weight right. on that. Um, and that's not to say refeeds aren't good, but they just can't be too, you know, too, uh, far off from, from the lows. Um, so one, you know, it, it's, you got to fix that, right. You got to start smoothing things out and creating more consistency, um, if right out of the gate, because you're going to be starting from a place of lowered metabolic rate. Like you said, you're going to run out of room and it's like, of course you can always keep pushing calories down lower and lower. Um, and, and eventually your body will give up body fat, but you know, as well as I do, the look isn't as good when you get right. there, um, you know, due to stress, you, you're, you're inflamed because if you have to push extraordinarily low to get there, you'll get there, you'll keep losing weight, but it's not a good look. 
it's watery and it's inflamed and it's kind of slightly saggy looking because you know there's been tissue loss muscle tissue loss yep. trying to get there and it's a stressed it's a stressed physique look um so personally i don't know about you when somebody's like i can do it i'll just keep pushing i'm like well i don't want you to have this inflamed saggy stressed tired look by the time we get down there you know yeah. um and that goes back to once again my standards can't be higher than yours um and yeah i honestly I lose lots of applicants because of what I call different differing standards between me and them. Um, You know, I do mentor some coaches occasionally Uh, I'll take them on and I kind of, you know, they always want to, whenever I mentor people um, I don't do it too often, but the thing they always like, I want to know about peak week, you know, tell me about peak week. And they were like, I want to know, you know, how to calculate macros. And honestly, half the stuff I'm teaching them is like, no, when a client comes to you and they want to do this show in 15 weeks and they need 25, put your foot down and say no. Like be willing to risk losing them because right. as a coach, you know, you are the standards that you keep. And guess what? If you take them on and they get to stage and they don't look good as you knew they would, then now that's your work reflected. You're you're the guy that only gets someone to 75% of their best. Yep. Um, so it's like, you know, I have a rule, I have a rule for myself. I'm not getting I'm not letting anybody get on that stage at less than 95% of their best. Um, you know, I'll take 95%. Um, but anything less than that, you know, I don't want, I don't want my work on stage at 95%. And I should hope that the client doesn't want to get on stage at less than 95%. I agree a hundred percent. And I've, I've had a couple that they just put their foot down and they did it anyway. Because one is it's the end of the year and you run out of fucking time, you know, and they're messing around, they're cheating on their diet, whatever the thing was that you can't get them there, but they're getting close. I cringe because I'm like, I do not want you getting on stage, not just for my reputation. I want you to go up there and place, like at least place top five, but it it does suck when it does happen, but you're right. That's your reputation. And if you do that over time, you're just mediocre like all the other coaches. Well, yeah. And you know what I actually say? Some, some people have gotten offended, but I don't mean this to be offensive, but it's the truth. I just say like, you know, I, I'm a coach who specializes and focuses on, you know, it's not the wins, it's um, achieving one's best, you know? And I would say like, I'm, I'm somebody that tries to focus on and prioritize clients that want to achieve their best. And when I, when I realize, you know, they're pushing back, when I realize that we may have this differing priorities, then what I usually say is, you know, why don't you let me refer you to a coach that is good, but tends to focus a little bit more on fun. You know, I think that maybe you just are more focused on fun than results. Um, And, you know, because that's okay too. If you want to have fun, um, you know, to me, the fun comes when you get to your best, you know, that's, that's my version of fun. But if you want to just kind of have fun and get on up there and, you know, look like you belong, I think there's coaches for that as well. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And here's the thing, I'm going to move us on to the next part of this. With you know, this is December now. With January coming up, and and I know January is the typical time everybody starts to diet. But in the bodybuilding world, if you're starting to do shows, maybe in April, May, June, or whatever, typically people are going to start their prep right in January. So let's talk about what a true off season. Let's if you're someone about if you're listening, if you're about to start dieting in January, let's talk about what the last 
six months should have looked like. We can go back farther than that, but talk about if you're going to diet someone now in January, a current client of yours, what have you been doing in the off season with getting calories up, with making sure that they're at a point to where they're ready to start a prep in January? Talk about those things that are important to have nailed down because people are going to hear those and they're going to think, shit, I didn't do that. And if that's you, then you need to do what Cliff's talking about. You need to push the show back. You need to go farther out. But talk about wrapping up an off season and what it should have looked like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, contest prep positioning is so important. Um, and when I mean positioning, it's multiple factors, right? Um, <clears throat> I generally like to see people, um, you know, I, I always say that there's a good range where people operate in their off season. Um, you know, for me as a competitor, my show weight is usually like 168 pounds. For me, my off-season range is usually about 190 pounds to 202 pounds. Uh, there's a good 12-pound range where I'm like, you know, I, I'm feeling good. I'm happy about the way that I look. I perform great in the gym. My energy's high. My hunger's low. You know, all these physiological lifestyle factors come together into this 12-pound range, right? That's where I like operate in the off-season. Um, but when I'm in a, when I'm in a, a position phase for my contest prep, um, I'd like to be closer to the shorter end of that, right? You know, it's better to start my contest prep, maybe more towards the 190, 192, 193 mark, but rather than the 202, right? Um, because that shortens the amount of time. So I'd kind of like to usually do a, a mini cut to get like, you know, maybe four months before contest prep starts, do a mini cut to get down to the low end of like the 190, right? And then I'll largely just stay between 190 and 193, um, you know, something like that. So I'm at the low end, but I've had time to bring my food up after that mini cut. Um, I'd like to see zero or low, low cardio, you know, low to no cardio. Um, hard training, but as you start to get into the final few weeks before your prep starts, I think um, taking a deload or a, even a week off of training is useful yeah, because agree. contest prep is going to be grueling. And you know, as well as I do, sometimes you just don't have time for deloads or, you know, uh, days off in contest prep. So do it before prep starts. Um, and, you know, show a lot of discipline to make sure that you are not over dieted already by the time prep starts, you're not over fat and you're not overtrained. Um, you don't want to be over anything. You want to be in this like Goldilocks zone, right? Where you are recovered and ready to go. Yeah, I agree hundred percent, especially with, you talked about doing the mini cut. I, I think we all, we all do something like that at that, at this point. Um, you just mentioned that about four months out, maybe and you clean things up and you get into a better starting place. Um, I know Jason Theobald over on our sister podcast, Elite Physique University, we we talk about doing a prep before the prep. And I personally like to clean up insulin sensitivity. I like to do it a few months out. That way, people that have just been pounding the hell out of carbs all off season, you can kind of give those insulin receptors a break and you clean it up and you drop a little bit of body fat and just, you know, a little bit lower body fat cleans up insulin sensitivity. So it makes it makes starting a prep so much easier when you're starting from a better insulin sensitivity standpoint. Yeah. And, and for those that have the tendency to like want to diet too much, um, here's my disclaimer though, when you're doing that kind of cut, um, if I start catching from my clients, if I start catching wind that they are having dieting side effects, what I mean by dieting side effects is, uh, 
disrupted sleep, extreme hunger, yeah. irritability. Um, and you know how sometimes like when you diet, there's like this little bit of stress or anxiety that increases a little bit, like this low line, you know, that increases when you start getting too lean. Um, if that starts creeping up, um, you know, if, if those types of things start happening, uh, reduced libido, things like that, if those types of things start happening, then you're pushing it too far. I think you gotta, you gotta, that's where you're like, oh, I gotta stop here. Cause this is, this is not the time prep prep will bring all of those things. You don't start that before prep. <laughs> yeah. And, and one other thing too, if you're someone that looks at labs, um, making sure that your hormones are in a good place. So I, I always recommend that women and guys check your testosterone levels at least before you start prep to make sure they're at least middle of the range. They're not, you know, medically low because the last thing you want to do is start a prep on low testosterone because you're going to really look bad. The, the muscles are going to melt off of you with, with low testosterone because prep drops test anyway, well, especially towards the end. So if you're starting from a low standpoint, you're also looking at, if you do that time and time again, you're looking at, you know, possibly chronically low testosterone in the off season. So just be careful, test your, test your hormones before you start. I think, you know, pay 80 bucks to test your total and free test and at least start there, but we're going to have a whole episode on hormones. Okay. Well, can I add one thing to that? So there's something I haven't even told you about this. There's something I've started new recommending to clients when I get in a situation where when their food intake is at a point where their hormones should be good mm -hmm. and their body fat level is at a level where their hormones should be good, right? Um, and they're at an age where their hormones should be good. Um, and then I look at like, okay, make sure they're not overdoing it on caffeine. Make sure their sleep is good. Right. Right. Um, but you know, when all, when everything looks like it should be good, you know where it's coming from. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what I usually, it's usually a, a, a mental, usually it's stress yep. um, that's causing the issue. So I've really started recommending. I like, if, you know, I, sometimes I'll tell people, all right, I want you to take some money that maybe you were putting towards supplements or to putting towards posing coach or something like that. And like, let's book a couple of therapy sessions, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't need to be this ongoing thing, but I think you need to like talk to a therapist about some stress management techniques. Um, you know, sometimes even like three or four sessions with a therapist, I, I've actually seen it improve people's testosterone levels, yeah. you know, get their thyroid hormones because like sometimes people don't realize it, but they just need to talk, like unburden themselves to someone. Right. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's a, a useful tool before prep starts. Yeah. It lowers mental stress. They get better sleep. They get into deeper sleep better, which knocks cortisol down. I mean, cortisol chronically elevates it is enemy number one when it comes to prep. I mean, the cortisol has got to be there, but keeping it chronically high. I've, I've had clients that when I do the mini cut or the insulin sensitivity reset before the prep starts, and they don't drop anything in four to five weeks. And it comes back to they're just mentally stressed the fuck out and their sleep is shit. Like, oh, so it, it, there's so many things we could probably do a part two to this where we could really yeah. dive in on that. It, that's a good, that's a really good point. Let me, let me talk about the part that I think a lot of people know, but people still make this mistake. And we've talked about this a ton over the last decade. Let's talk about metabolism being primed and ready. So give me an idea. Just use somebody as an example. Use yourself as, a, as an example. The importance of having your food intake at a certain level. So when you start prep, 
you have room to kind of draw from those calories and kind of project out a four or five month prep, like a five month prep, for example, for natural athletes seems to be about the norm for most. Talk about those food levels and why that's important to get that up there and not to just get it up there for a month. Like we're talking about getting it up there for a while. Talk about why it's important to have that metabolism primed. Yeah. Well, kind of like we were saying before that I think that if food levels are just too low um, to begin with, then you're not going to have a lot of places to cut from. And usually when you don't have a lot of places to cut from, then what happens is you start piling on cardio. Um, And so when you start doing that, you know, you're just going to end up with, yeah, you can always go lower. You know, you can always say, well, I can cut more calories. I can cut more calories. And eventually you will get to a point where the body can't adapt anymore, but it doesn't mean that's going to create the best look. Um, You know, I mean, I've, I've heard some people go, well, you know, I've needed to get really low. Honestly, there's only a few people over the course of my 12 year career. I can probably count them on my hands. The number of people that just have such slow metabolic rates that they're never really going to get their food that high. Right. Um, but you know, for the most people, most part, people need to get their food intake to a point where it is consistently high and you've been there for some months. Right. And take some time to, I mean, I would say at a good off season level, you know, I want to see people maybe just doing a few walks per week as their cardio, like spend some time, you know, because if you're doing hard training, that's going to be pretty taxing to your cardiovascular system anyway, high rep, hard training, Um, you know, then a few walks per week is good, but I don't want to see you doing like a lot of intense cardio sessions or lengthy cardio sessions. I I, I want you feeling fresh and, um, you need to have something to work with because otherwise if you keep taking away, keep taking away, you're just asking for a hormonal disaster. And eventually what follows is muscle tissue loss. And then when that happens, like I said, saggy, tired, soft looking physique at the end of prep, not dense and hard and tight. Let's, let's talk about something else. I think it's hard for people to understand when they're new because they don't see it. I know, certainly know when I was new in 2007, when I kind of started this whole bodybuilding journey to try and get on stage, you know, when I dieted down, I was like 155 pounds and I'm five foot 10. So, and I was natty. So the thing is, is I dieted every year for the next three years because I just wanted to compete, but I never really made progress. How do you, we're both straightforward guys. How do you explain to people, hey, listen, you need to put more muscle on first, right? Let's not diet for a show now. We, You need to put more muscle on. Do you like to give them examples? Do you send them pictures? What's that conversation look like? Because we're going to have younger people that need to spend more time adding muscle. What's your approach? You're really good with talking to people. That's one of the highest compliments I can give you. You're, you're out, you're, you get outstanding results, but you're a very good communicator and you get the most out of people, which a good coach should. How do you, how do you have that conversation? Oh, well, I appreciate that by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so, you know, in the early part of my career, um, it it took me a while to get to this point to understand how people like process information. So in the early part of my career, I just argue with people, right? (laughs) Like, no, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. Yeah. Um, it didn't get me very far. Um, the way I've actually had the conversation with people now is I ask them questions. So first off, I'm at an advantage because this point over the course of my career, people have kind of seen my results. So I don't have to prove to people anymore that I know what I'm talking about. Right. But there was a point where I had to back up what I was saying with a lot more examples. 
you know, yeah. like examples of this client or that client. So, so if you're a newer coach, you might have to come prepared with examples. Um, because I had to do that too, at the beginning of my careers, I'm sure you did too. Um, now, you know, people know that I've been around the block and I've seen it. So they, they trust that I know what I'm talking about, but they'll still fight you. So now I think then what you need to do though, is you need to ask them questions. Um, and eventually they're going to see that they're what they want isn't really lining up logically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll say like, you know, I actually had this situation recently where a client, they, they kept wanting to diet diet, but you know, I was like, you're not going to get any leaner. Um, so at first I was like, you're not going to get any leaner. And so you take some time to build some muscle to push out against, you know, that little thin layer of subcutaneous body fat that exists. And so then this client, this client was a non-competitor. I do, I, as I told you before the show, I'll work with like a handful of non-competitors every year. And they were like, they were like, well, you know, um, they would send me pictures of a few, you know, celebrities or models that they wanted to look like. And I'm like, yeah, but I know for a fact, this celebrity has been weight training for 10 years. Um, you've only been at it for two. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I was like, you got eight years to go. <laughs> You'll be there in eight years. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, you can maybe rush that process along if you'd be willing to put your being lean on the back burner for now. So what I'll usually say is I'll, I'll follow up with them. Like how badly do you want this look? Right. Um, th that's usually the first question that I'll ask them is how badly do you want to be lean? Um, and then, you know, usually the response is so badly. I want this more than anything. And I'm saying, do we, then I'll just, so they set themselves up right away there. Right. I'll do anything. I, you know, all right, you'll do anything. Does that mean having some delayed gratification? Um, if it's most important to you, then you have to be willing to wait for it. If you'll do anything, does that include waiting for it a little bit? Um, because uh, you know so they they, they kind of set themselves up by saying they'll do anything because they always say it's like the most important thing and i always tell them like and i try to make them see my perspective right so i always say you know please understand as your coach if i could get you looking like this like right now that would be great for my business you know that'd be great for my business if i could get you looking like this in like three months um, because I'd be known as the guy that could get people looking from here to here in three months. I'd, you know, be able to charge a fortune and I'd make, you know, all this money. So if I could do it, I would, but it's just not possible. And right. so then I'll just kind of put the ball in their court. So I kind of go through a line of questioning, right? How important is this to you? Um, you know, I, uh, what are you willing to do to get this look? Um, and then I explain what it takes. But then I need, what I need from them is going back to that personal responsibility thing. Then I need them to fully accept responsibility for the path that we're taking. And what I mean by that is um, I don't like to, I try not to dictate the path to my clients because, um, you know, not to go off on a psychology tangent, but um, research actually shows that when goals or paths are dictated to people by a boss or a coach or a teacher, um, they don't do as well. But if that path is full, the responsibility for that goal or that path is fully accepted by the person, they will uh, perform much better in, in the process of that. So what I'll say is like, I, I want them to fully accept it. And I'll just say like, 
you know, this is what we take. And I'll say, are you on board with this? Like, are you fully, you know, invested in this delayed gratification? Um, we're going to give up being lean for a bit so that we can be leaner in the long run. And I want them to fully accept that responsibility because, you know, I expect the responsibility of their coach of, you know, of that path. And, but I need them to take it on too, you know? Yeah. I, I like it because to me, uh, one of the things I got out of that was, and that, that's why I went back to saying you, you're a really good communicator and you get the most out of your clients. And I think any good coach should strive for that. And it sounds like you're giving them a way to have kind of that aha moment and to accept the responsibility. And, you know, I like that. I like that a lot. I think for, we have a lot of people listening that are coaches and you really need to take that to heart because being a communicator is a huge part of being a successful coach and having longevity. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes people will be like, Hey Cliff, how many, you know, how many clients do you have? I was just asked this. They're like, what do you have? Like 250? I'm like, Oh God. No. Yeah. I'm like, you know, um, because you know, there are a lot of weeks where, you know, people will check in, their weight looks good. We're moving. Awesome. You know, hope you had a good week. Everyone looks good. Let's keep it going. But then there are a lot of weeks where I'm exchanging long emails, half a dozen, you know, 10 emails exchanges with people because we're getting to the root of an issue. And I just think that, you know, sometimes, you know, it just takes, takes that, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly how many clients I have off the top of my head, but I remember uh, like one time I touched like a hundred and I was like, Oh my God, I'm working like 90 hours a week. I got to back this up. <laughs> and so, um, so I think that, um, you know, it, it is, it is hard work to try to like get to people's cores, you know, in that regard. But I do think that, um, there's a lot of things that, you know, at, at the risk of going too down a rabbit hole, but I think that you, along the way as a coach, you have this like ability, you have this ability to kind of reach their core and not just change the way they view and process this dieting process, but kind of their whole life, you know? Um, and hopefully if you can kind of get them instilled with these things, then they're going to be the better off for it. Not just in the six months, but two, three years down the road. Yeah. One thing I want to finish with, and I don't have this in the show notes, so you don't even know what's coming. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's December, January's here. And the talk that you're going to give at the Fat Muscle Academy, and like I said, cheap plug here, it's in the show notes. You guys can buy tickets to that now. Highly recommend it. Come out meet all of us, listen to the seminars, come train, eat, food's on us. We're going to cater lunch to everybody, give some stuff away. It's going to be a blast. Your talk really, Cliff, um, is going to be on the champion's mindset. And it's December, like I said, January's about to start. If you can just give like a little snippet and talk about why the champion's mindset is so important, because you could talk about so many things, and you have. You've talked about so many things physique enhancement-wise, at all of our summits, you know, on podcasts and all over, you've been all over the world to lecture champions mindset. Why is that such a crucial thing for people to, to kind of finish this podcast up with? If you could just give a little, little two or three minutes on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, when I first started coaching, I was completely dismissive of the mental stuff. <laughs> um, it, it, true, but almost embarrassing story now. I mean, keep in mind, I was quite a bit younger, 12, you know, 13 years ago. But um, I, I'd been coaching like a year. And I told uh, my wife at the time, <clears throat> I go, why do all my clients keep asking me if they're doing a good job? 
<laughs> and she goes, well, are you telling them that they're doing a good job? And I said to her, well, they're the ones that know how closely they're following the diet. So they should know more than I should if they're doing a good job. <laughs> it, um, it didn't occur to me that people needed to be told a good job. Right. Um, I know that sounds dumb, I, I, but I, I, <clears throat> I'm somebody where I think a lot of the mental stuff has come a little bit more naturally to me. Um, and I didn't, didn't pay much attention. So that was kind of like, oh, I need to start watching the way that I speak to people and kind of like forming, you know, their, their direction or the other. And then I had another aha moment in my coaching career around 2013 or so. Um, it was around the time I was starting to have multiple preps. Like I'd prep somebody in 2010 or 11, and then they come back to another prep in 2013. Right. Um, the post-show period after the show, right. You know, I was getting blood work with people and you'd see some people in their first prep where they would binge like crazy over after the, after the show, you know, they put on too much weight too soon. Um, and you know, they get heavy, but a lot of the research says like a lot of the research says after a diet, Oh, just get back to normal body fat levels and normal calories and your hormones are going to go back to normal within a couple of weeks. Um, and at the time I was like, yeah, you know, um, but I was seeing blood work from people that were three, four months post-show at their off-season normal weight, at their off-season normal calories, but their hormones were suppressed like crazy. Right. Um, they didn't look as they didn't look as good. Right. Um, and I'm gonna add one thing. They were usually a still stressed out from their prep. They were like a total stress case. They were unhappy with the way that they looked. They, you know, they couldn't adjust to getting back to normal life. Then I watched those same people two years later, three years later, handle it better mentally. Um, you know, they would, they were a little bit more mentally prepared for what was coming. Um, we went through, we went through tactics mentally because um, I was just trying to make them less stressed, you know, make it easier. Um, how to control your diet habits, you know, things like that and preparing them for the weight gain mentally. Um, and then what do you know, like, then I would, so their calories were getting pretty high, but their calories were still lower than normal off season levels and their body fat was still lower than normal off season levels. But when I would do blood work, their hormones were already back to normal. The only difference was their mentality, their, their mindset. And as I started digging into it, psychology affects your physiology in immense ways. Um, just as, just as one example, uh, there've been studies where, um, uh, they took men and they put them in rowing competitions. They had two men on rowing machines <clears throat> and they'd have them row their asses off cause they're competing against each other. Right. And then they would just tell one guy that he's the winner. They didn't actually track who won. They just say, Hey, you won <laughs> randomly. And the guy that, the guy that, the guy that believed he won would see a spike in testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> didn't matter. Didn't matter if he actually won. He believed he won. So his testosterone spiked. Um, and then you want to know another wild study that they did was um, they took, a, I don't remember off the top of my head, the exact caloric intake. I want to say the caloric intake was about 400. They had a shake. It was like 400 calories, right? And they brought people in and they, they told the subjects, this is a um, decadent 700 calorie shake you know it's tasty and yummy and they had people drink it right 
And then they measured their ghrelin levels, which is associated with hunger for those that don't know. Um, And they measured their ghrelin levels. Then they had the subject come back in two weeks later and they gave them another 400 calorie shake. And they told them this was a sensible 280 calorie shake. It was the same shake. Um, And they had them drink it and they measured their ghrelin levels and they had drastically different ghrelin responses. Um, even though it was the same caloric intake, but what they believed created a different hormone response. And, um, I mean, you can go on and on and on with this stuff. And so there are so many things that affect the physiology. And then, then not to mention the psychology of, can you just get yourself to do what needs to be done? Right. And so, um, you know, as much as, uh, you know, John, you and I have been doing the the diet and training side of this so long. Um, at the risk of sounding a little arrogant, <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but we've been in the trenches of this so long, you know, there's still newer studies that come out all the time on diet and training, but to be honest with you, I haven't really been surprised by any of it in the last five, six years, because I feel like you and I have already been doing a lot of the stuff that is starting to get proven now by research. Um, not to say that there isn't always more to learn, but I'm not really surprised. And I feel like the little bits that I would nitpick at the diet training. So honestly, over the last five, six years, I've really buckled down and dedicated myself to the psychology of this, of the coaching process, um, as much as I have to the diet and training, because I feel like that's where I was able to help my clients to the greater degree, rather than trying to nitpick these little diet and training things. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And it's one of those things to where a lot of the outside of the box things that you and I have done over the last 10 to 12 years and other other coaches as well, not just tooting our own horns, but has led to some research, you know, like the refeed study that I was able to be a part of, you know, with Dr. Bill Campbell. He came to me because I was doing these crazy, stupid ass refeeds in 2012, <laughs> the gimmicky refeeds that, you know, at the time, I, it was cool. I was learning from it, right? But it led to research and it proved what was and wasn't optimal and what didn't work. But, you know, you bring up a great point about the research and then we'll, we'll kind of shut it down here because we're getting to about an hour. Uh, another talk, Dr. Pete Fitchin is going to be talking at the Fat Muscle Academy. He's going to talk about new research and new things that were learned from some of the new research out there and mistakes learned. And it's really for physique enhancement. It's really going to be a talk that he's never given before. And I'm really excited to hear that. Um, because me, you and Pete have a long history of working together. I mean, you guys wrote a book together and I'm going to put that in the show notes. If you guys want to buy Cliff and Pete's book, the bodybuilding manual, basically it's all, it's like the contest prep Bible, so to speak. Um, so that's going to be fun, man, but we're going to get off here. I, I know you've got a lot to do and so do I, but man, we appreciate you having on, um, being back on and then to come speak, that's going to be a blast January 21st to see the show notes. So you guys can get tickets. Is there anything else that you want to say, man? Did we leave anything off the table? I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, we could have went into a lot more detail, but we'd be here for three hours. So, no, man. I uh, <clears throat> I guess the last thing I want to say is that you know I kind of made a post about it a couple weeks back, but you know, coming back to a full year, um, you know, after having health issues and uh, you know trying to come back there was a part of me that wondered my, if my best years of coaching were really behind me. Um, and it felt so good to be back. And I just, um, I really appreciate everybody that continued to follow and support me when I was not doing well. 
Um, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to follow and support someone when they're at the peak of their game, but when they're going through tough times, it means a lot to the people that reached out. And even a, a lot of people that, you know, you'd be surprised. There were so many people that I never actually spoken to, you know, they just followed me on social media, but when my posting became a little, you know, sometimes I would go a month or two without posting when I was really uh, struggling with my health issues, yeah. uh, you know, and you know, there were people that would reach out and they would say, Hey, you haven't been posting. Are you okay? And I'm like, man, like, I really appreciate that level of support. Um, because you know, you, you and I have never had these like massive followings of hundreds of thousands of followers, but you know, we always had really dedicated followers and, you know, I, I passionate followers. And so I, I, um, I, re I really appreciate everybody that, you know, continued to stick with me even when, uh, my health wasn't doing well. And so finally getting, getting, getting my body back on track, you know, <laughs> allowed me to get back out there again. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see the killer is back because we're not really competing against each other anymore, but I, it's fun to watch. It's fun to see when you post and I see some of these massive days you have. I'm like, Jesus, man, like he he's, he's back and better than ever. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, coaches, good coaches get better over time. And what I'm going to do to challenge you is I'm going to siphon as much knowledge out of you for this, things like this podcast and our speaking seminars. And of course, to the summit that we own, like, we've got to keep getting good information out of you. And I know you love that because you love speaking. So now that everything's back to normal and you, you will have a little bit bigger schedule ahead of you, do you have anything lined up outside of the Fat Muscle Academy? Are you, if someone's thinking, hey, I'd like to have Cliff speak at my event, is this something that you're open to? What's that look like for 2023 for you? Right now, um, uh, preliminarily, I might be speaking in Connecticut uh in the weekend after valentine's day so i think that's like february 18th or 19th or something like that um so keep an eye out for that I, I, so if you're on the east coast that might be where i'm headed um i might do some more speaking engagements later in the year um but nothing finalized but yeah i i, I i'm once again now that i can like travel health you know full healthy again i am definitely looking forward to just getting out there and you know, doing some seminars again, because that, that is always fun to get out there and actually like connect with people one-on-one -on -one and, and speak about things in a more in-depth manner, because, <clears throat> you know, you, you know how it is. Sometimes we're at our computer all the time. We don't always get a chance to like get in front of people and talk about one, you know, topic, isolate it and speak about it for a good hour or more. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Well, this has been a fun episode guys. Check out the show notes. We've got links to everything. If you want to connect with cliff, I'll have all that information there from his website to his email, to his social media, the link to his book, the whole nine yards. So cliff, thanks for being on for myself and cliff. We are out of here. See you guys.